passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 185 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball's back, folks, and it's back in a big way. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your betting needs this season. NBA is in the thick of it. College basketball is tipped off. We already had some great matchups. It's in the thick of it as well. And it's not just basketball. You got NFL. We've got Thanksgiving this week. Exciting slate on Thursday. We got NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, World Cup, you name it, Bet Online has it. Head to betonline.ag and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts with that said. Episode 185 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Yeah, I told you. Oh, welcome back. Episode 185 for the love of the game with yours truly, Aaron Tobin Hess, back in the saddle, back behind the mic on the Believe Podcast Network. This is the week of Thanksgiving. Should be a lot of positivity, right? Thanksgiving's my favorite day of the year. You got good food, got good people, NFL games all day. This year, the slate's actually pretty good. So you would think that there's a lot to be positive about right now. And on this episode, coming up in a little bit, I have a first-time guest, an awesome first-time guest, a little bit of a deep cut. It's a little bit of a deep cut, but for those who know, know how excited I am to talk to this guy about a topic that is really close to to my heart, considering where I went to school and whatnot in my background. But before all that, let's get negative, people. Let's get negative. Wasn't a good weekend in sports, especially for those of us who are fans of the New York teams. It was not a very good weekend. Let's start in the NFL. A disastrous NFL weekend for New York football. Lotov. Absolutely Lotov. We'll start with the Giants. Losing 31-18 to the Detroit Lions at home. It just looked bad from the start. Jared Goff was throwing the ball all over the place. Adoree Jackson, the Giants' 
best corner had to return punts because God forbid Richie James not fumble while returning punts. Well, he got hurt returning a punt. Just just gross. I mean, just so many injuries the Giants sustained on Sunday that going into the Thursday game, the Thanksgiving game against the Dallas Cowboys, which is going to be an extremely important game for them, they may not have a full roster. So that's wonderful. I mean, the Giants defense got gashed all day. It just, they fell behind early. Daniel Jones threw a bad interception in the first half that set the tone set the Detroit Lions up for their first touchdown, and it was just one of those games that you just want to throw away. Just want to throw it away. Saquon Barkley was limited against the Detroit defense that is generally pretty bad. They bottled him up. Daniel Jones was not particularly sharp. The wide receivers, it's a limited group, and for a Giants team that is struggling in the passing game, especially when they get down. I mean, you saw that on Sunday. Just one of those games where you throw it away, and the best thing for the Giants is that they play Thursday because you just forget about it quickly. The same cannot be said for the New York Jets because however down Giants fans are feeling, at least we are not the Jets because the Jets have way bigger problems. The Jets lost 10-3 against the Patriots. The Jets had a total of two yards in the second half. Two yards. They lost this game to a Patriots team that is not very good. In fact, they're not good at all. Mac Jones, the quarterback for the Patriots, is really bad. And we're going to talk about the quarterback play as a whole in the NFL this year. I've mentioned it before. I'm going to have to mention it again. But Mac Jones is really bad. And however bad Mac Jones was... Zach Wilson took it to a new level. 77 total yards, well under 50% completion percentage. Like, what was he doing? He was so bad that the visible frustration on his teammates' face during these, you know, these plays where he's missing guys and he's not even close. Not even close. I mean, just the vibes are bad in Jets land. And it's a shame because the Jets' defense is top three in the league. Top three in the league, good. Garrett Wilson is a really nice player. Elijah Moore's got talent. I mean, Brees Hall's hurt, but the Jets outside the quarterback position have a playoff contender roster. But they have a major problem at the quarterback position. He doesn't look like he's getting any better. And he seems like a petulant child and a spoiled brat who doesn't take any accountability for the fact that he basically flushed a game that they needed to win down the toilet. Like, if the Jets basically lose out, I would not be shocked. Not be shocked at all. It's a problem. It's a problem. And there is a well above 50% chance that Zach Wilson is not the quarterback of the Jets next year. Because I'm not sure how much longer they can go considering how good the rest of the roster is. So the Jets absolutely putrid and the quarterback not taking any accountability. It'll be interesting to see if he plays going forward because 
The Jets sitting at 6-4, and four, they're still in the mix. They're still in the hunt. They want to make the playoffs. I mean, I don't think Zach Wilson is your, your best option in making the playoffs. Is it better for the long-term health of the franchise to see if he turns it around? Maybe. But the guys in the locker room don't give a shit about that right now. They want to win games. And they're busting their asses off to try and win games. And the quarterback is absolutely holding them back. And doesn't seem to take any accountability for the fact that he's holding them back. It's a mess. It's a real mess. And it's shocking coming off the bye after the week that you had before the bye, beating the Bills, that this was the product you get on Sunday. And it's just like losing to the Patriots. A bad Patriots team. But again, it's the Patriots. It's Belichick. Like, Jet fans have to be besides themselves. So, even if the game Sunday for the Giants was bad and frustrating, if you're a Giants fan, just thank your lucky stars that you're not a Jets fan. Anyway, around the NFL, it just seems like there's no good teams in the NFC. Look around the landscape of the NFC. Look at the Eagles on Sunday. Oh, by the way, they played the Colts, and Jeff Saturday had his guys ready to play. Because, again, you know, but apparently he wasn't qualified to do any of this. So that, that that was fun to see. Eagles, not sharp against the Colts, a bad Colts team. Do they really scare you? I don't think so. The Minnesota Vikings got walloped by the Dallas Cowboys. 40-3, walloped. So much for uh, picking them, plus one home underdog. Absolutely destroyed. And that game was over in the first five minutes. That game was so bad that Fox switched the game from broadcasting that game in the third quarter to Steelers-Bengals because they're like, this this shit's trash. Just straight up switched. And good for them because it was garbage. Absolutely garbage. Do the Vikings scare you? No. The Cowboys... Yeah, they destroyed the Vikings, but they lost to a bad Packers team the week before. Like, Dak Prescott still has his issues. Do they scare you? No. Are we ready to trust the Seattle Seahawks? No. The Giants, would they be considered scary? No. I mean, this is the NFC. The 49ers, maybe? Maybe? But still, they're limited. I mean, they're only like, they're only 7-4. Like, they're not super impressive. The NFC is is gross. Absolutely gross. I, I don't think there are any really good teams in the NFC. And, yeah. I, the AFC, top of the AFC is so much better than the NFC right now. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Second thing. Around the league. I mentioned it a little bit before. But around the league, the quarterback plays at an all-time low. At an all-time low. In an era where the offense has every advantage, given the way the rules are called, the quarterback play is horrific. Absolutely horrific. The watching experience for the NFL this year has been absolutely horrific, and it's directly tied to the quarterback play. I can appreciate a 17-10 game if it's played well. But these games are just not played well. Week after week, you see it every single week. Like, how many good QBs are there in the league? Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, 
Tua Herbert, and we'll get to the Sunday night football game in a second. Jalen Hurts for the most part, but after that, who's good? Who's good? Go back through the drafts the last couple of years in terms of the quarterbacks taken in the first round, and you can see why it's tailing off. Brady's getting old. He's still actually pretty good. Brady's getting old. Rodgers is getting old. So those are two guys. And the first rounders the last five years have not really panned out. Not really panned out. Like, right now, everybody likes to hate on Jared Goff, but, like, Jared Goff is a top 10 QB in the league this year. Geno Smith is a top 10 QB in the league this year. It's just bad. It's ugly to watch. And I find myself hating myself for watching as much NFL Sunday as I do. I mean, it was rainy in South Florida, so I didn't have the excuse to be sitting by the pool. But if I did, like I would have turned it off after the Giant game. And I would have been watching the Giant game by the pool as opposed to being locked in in front of my TV. It's just not a great viewing experience for the most part. However, Sunday Night Football is a great viewing experience. The Chiefs and the Chargers played an awesome game, 27-23 Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes does it again, an absolute wizard. Travis Kelsey destroyed the Chargers yet again. The Chargers have one of the best safeties in the league, Derwin James, and Travis Kelsey just demolished him. Three touchdowns, Patrick Mahomes leads the drive, less than two minutes left. When they got the ball down 23-20, With that amount of time, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that they were coming down to score a touchdown. Justin Herbert played really well. I mean, he's a talent, a major talent. But Patrick Mahomes just has his number. And yeah, it's not just, you know, a one versus one kind of thing. But there's just a level up that you know that Mahomes is going to make every single play to win a game. And he's the MVP. It's not really close. He's running away with the award. In a year where you thought for a couple of weeks maybe there'd be a non-quarterback to win the MVP because no one had really separated themselves. Allen was doing his thing. Mahomes was doing his thing. Both of them are having really good years. Allen is a little turnover prone, but whatever. Patrick Mahomes now has, has taken this MVP race and has dusted everybody. Absolutely incredible. All right, so... This week's picks against the spread. After going 4-1 last week, not so much this past week. Not great. 1-3-1, absolutely gross. Lost by the hook in the Bills-Browns game. Can't believe it. But on to this week, on to week 12. We are 27-27-2 on the year. Exactly 500. So here we go. First pick, Miami, minus 12 and a half. Against the Houston Texans at home. Miami's offense is really, really good. I don't see how the Texans can score with them. I don't see how they can stop them. The Texans are the worst team in the league. Miami is one of the three or four best teams in the league. Especially on offense. So I'm going to roll with Miami minus the 12.5. Even if it's a big number. Two. I'm going to the Thursday games, which I generally don't like to do. 
especially in a short week. But first pick, Giants plus nine. Everything about this game screams that the Giants are going to get walloped. The injury bug, as I mentioned earlier in the monologue, has hit the Giants hard. However, however, it's a big spread on a short week for both teams, so I'm going to take the points here. Three, same logic here. I'm going to take the Lions plus nine at home against the Bills. Home underdogs have performed well against the spread. Short week, a lot of points. I am going to take the Lions plus nine because the Lions can score. They can score and I just think, you know, short week, 10 points is a lot of, I should say nine points is a lot of points. Three, I'm going to take New England. So all three Thanksgiving games are in this week's picks against the spread. We're going to take New England plus three. I don't like this New England team. I think they're bad. But Kirk Cousins in primetime sucks. And Belichick is going to have his team ready to play on a short week. If any coach can get their team up for a game short week, it's Belichick. So I'm going to take New England plus three, even though I don't think they're very good. Last pick, Tampa Bay minus three on the road against the Browns. I think Tampa's coming on a little bit. They're getting a little healthier. Tom Brady's finding his groove. The Browns are really bad. So I got Tampa Bay minus three. So in summation, Miami minus 12 and a half. Giants plus nine. Lions plus nine. New England plus three. Tampa Bay minus three. Those are your week 12 picks against the spread. The lines are brought to you by Bet Online, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. There we go. Let's have ourselves a week. Last but not least... The New York Knicks, just more of the same. I know they won last night in Oklahoma City, which is not surprising considering how badly they got shellacked by them at home, where I ranted about it. But they have one legitimate win. They beat Denver without Jokic. They got walloped by Phoenix without basically half the starting lineup. It's just, it's mediocre. And yeah, R.J. Barrett finally had a good game last night, but he sucks. I mean... Going into last night, like, he was shooting absolutely putridly. It's just, who cares? Who cares? Like, eventually the schedule isn't going to be super favorable to the Knicks, and they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to lose a lot of games, and Knicks fans who are getting excited about a 3-2 and two road trip, just, just brace yourselves. That's all I'm saying. Just brace yourselves. With that said, we're going to welcome on a first-time guest who I am super excited to talk to. He was absolutely fantastic, uh, an absolute mensch, and we're going to bring him on to talk about a little D3 basketball in just a matter of moments. So I have the pleasure of welcoming on a very special guest, a first-time guest, but this may be a deep cut for some of you, but for those who know, know that I've been looking forward to talking to this guy for a while. None other than the expert of D3 basketball himself, Mr. Bob Quillman. Bob, thanks so much for giving me the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Aaron. I, I appreciate you having me on. I've been looking forward to this. And look, I always look forward to talking about D3 basketball. So uh, let's do it, man. So let's start there, all right? What's your you know, history with D3, you know, basketball in particular, because, you know, I, I know you're, you're a huge fan. Um, just, just how are you so involved and how are you so knowledgeable? Yeah, I mean, really. The whole background. Pr 
it, pretty simple. I, I attended Illinois Wesleyan University, graduated in 1993, way back when. And the simple answer is I became a huge fan of our, our basketball program. Uh, it, it's a perennial power. Illinois Wesleyan is, is typically in the top 25. I think Illinois Wesleyan has more NCAA tournament wins than any school in the country. Six Final Four appearances. So long story short, I just got to be a fan because of how good the program was. And when I graduated, I ended up doing uh, the color commentary on the local radio station for several years. I moved out of town in 2008, but I continued to follow the program. That's when streaming became a thing. Uh, fortunately for me, I could listen on the radio at first only. Then video streaming came about. And and then this just snowballed. Like I got, got into the Twitter thing in 2012 and just found that as a way that I could share my passion for Division Three athletics. And it's just kind of snowballed. I'm a fan, and that's really all it is, is, is just loving the, the sport. Did you play at all? I D3 did. athletics, any, I, any sport? I, I was not good enough to play basketball at Illinois Wesleyan, I can tell you that. Um, I, I played in high school a little bit and love okay. the sport of basketball, but nowhere near good enough to play at Illinois Wesleyan. Well, I'm a former D3 athlete myself. I played tennis for Yeshiva University for two years, and I practiced with the basketball team for a semester, but I was never going to get any significant burn, so it wasn't something I was really going to pursue. But that was before Coach Steinmetz came along. Sure. Maybe had he been the coach when <laughs> I was there, it would have been a little bit different, but that's a different story for a different time. But I, I just I, I'm so impressed the uh, the dedication to the game that you were listening on the radio. I mean, what radio station was carrying the games? Yeah, so uh, AM twelve thirty WJBC in uh, out of Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, was doing Illinois Wesleyan games on the radio going back to the sixties. I mean, it was Illinois Wesleyan is is lucky that as a small college has had incredible print coverage so the panograph is the local paper wjbc radio and uh, i i worked for wjbc just as a part-time i had a regular full-time job just as a part-timer i'd come in and slide in and and do the color with a legendary guy named art kimball so yeah the titans were, were broadcast on the radio and, and that was probably a reason that I became a fan too is because it was so easy to follow them. Unbelievable. I it It's amazing. So before we get into the connection with Yeshiva University, which is really why I wanted to have you on, um, tell everybody what, what's so exciting about the D3 game. Obviously, you know, D1 gets all the headlines. March Madness is basically like the biggest thing on the planet Earth for three or four weeks. What's so special about D3 that you appreciate so much that you could just share, you know, why people should be tuning in more and why it should be a little bit bigger of a deal? Yeah, I think a couple of things. The kids aren't on scholarship, and so they're, they're playing because they want to play. That The whole love of the game saying is very much true in Division Three. But on top of that, if you like basketball, I, I would say the quality of basketball is much better. Now, the the student athletes are several inches shorter at every spot on the floor usually, and they're certainly not as athletic or quick. But if you like basketball, if you like the X's and O's side of it, I would argue 
that because the student athletes aren't quite as big and aren't quite as athletic and aren't quite as quick, that the X's and O's have to be a lot better. The best case example, that Illinois Wesleyan Yeshiva game last weekend, you know, you're you're watching Elliot Steinmetz's um, motion offense in play. You're watching what Illinois Wesleyan runs, a, a form of a motion offense, which is very complicated and hard to defend. Um, I, I just think that your average Division three game, to me, is better basketball than if I turn on ESPN and I watch, you know, Division one number two versus Division one number five. I think that's so much about isolation and athleticism that I prefer the D3 game, and I think a lot of people miss out on that. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so that, that transition's perfect. How did you get so close to the Yeshiva University basketball program, considering we are a small Jewish college in Washington Heights, <laughs> an area in the city that nobody willingly wants to be in. Like, how did this happen? It's pretty funny. It's really, it's, it's, it's been awesome and it's funny. You know, I, I'm not Jewish. I, I went to an all boys Catholic high school. By the way, which makes this all the more surprising. Yeah. And, and just so everybody knows, like my group of friends, we've been following, you know, Bob's Twitter feed now for the better part of three years. And we like, consider him the gospel of D3 hoops and like one of Yeshiva University's biggest advocates. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, just I, context. I, I, yeah I, I went to Catholic schools my whole life. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan is not affiliated. It used to be a Methodist university. It's no longer has any affiliation, but I am not Jewish in any sort of way. In fact, I always tell people that, you know, unfortunately growing up, I grew up in a, in a, in a very like, Irish Catholic neighborhood. My mom's a hundred percent Irish. So like there weren't any Jewish people that I even met literally met until college in college. There was a kid or two that was Jewish from the Chicago suburbs, but right. Um, I, I, I didn't have a lot of exposure to, to the Jewish faith. Um, the, to answer your question, it all came about on, on Twitter over division three basketball. Yeshiva started, becoming a presence and there's a gentleman named ryan scott that works for d3hoops.com that started following yeshiva he's a, he's a voter like i am i'm a voter in the top right. 25 poll for d3 hoops and hold on ryan, one second how long how long have you been a voter for d3 hoops for top parts 25? of parts of 20 years the whole time the poll has been around so i go back to the very beginning i i stepped aside for a couple years in there but the Long story short, I was an original voter, which goes back 20, 21 years. Amazing. Amazing. Anyway, and, continue. Sorry. Yeah. So Ryan Scott, who's a voter, started telling me and others, you need to watch Yeshiva. You need to, they have this guy Terrell. They have this guy Lifer. You need to watch Yeshiva. At first, I just laughed it off. And I'm like, so you're telling me this Orthodox Jewish school is good? I mean, but so I did. So November of, of 2019, and I know this date because I found a tweet where I tweeted out, hey, I'm, I'm watching my first Yeshiva game. And it was kind of a joke, you know, I'm going to watch this team. And I watched them, and they were legit good. And I was like, holy crap, I've been, I've been poo-pooing this for like a year, and these guys are really good. And, and so I started tweeting about Yeshiva. Just, and and you, you know how Yeshiva fans are. 
like you show them a little bit of love and they appreciate that so much. And so like I became, uh, I became buddies with Akiva Poppers from Max Live. I would sure. say that I would say the biggest connection between me and Yeshiva was was Akiva Poppers, and then closely after that, Elliot Steinmet started interacting with me, and he would send me DMs because you could tell that Elliot he he, he wanted people to understand that they were a good team. So he would be like, you know, hey, here's some things about our offense, and it snowballed. It's those two relationships, Poppers and Elliot. It snowballed from there, and I have met like lifelong friends that are part of the yeshiva community, and uh, it's just become a really big part of my life. It's been great. It's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Now, I mean, Elliot was, or I should say Coach Steinmetz, excuse me. Coach Steinmetz was building something even before, you know, Ryan Terrell yeah. got on campus, right? I mean... I, I remember it from the old regime where they had exceedingly talented kids. Like they maybe had the best shooter. Well, now the second best shooter. We'll get to him in a yeah. second. Um, you know, the second best shooting guard in the, in the team's history, who's from Dallas, Texas, who was a senior when I was a freshman. Uh, his name's Itzy Rabalt. He was great, right? They had this point guard named David Shouts, who's great. They had all these guys who were really excellent. But the coach was was just old-fashioned, and it just didn't work, right? It was robotic. And, you know, Elliot played for the guy, too. And I'm sure he held Elliot back as well. <laughs> and um, so then when he comes in, and he basically gives his players this freedom to play basketball, where they're not robots out there, like, it's... It's really, really incredible. It's really, really incredible. And I can't just, you know, I can't sing his praises enough because, like, I remember watching him coach when he was coaching North Shore Hebrew Academy High School and my younger brother was playing against them in, you know, high school basketball. Like, he's come a long, long way. So I, I guess, you know, what was it about, besides for the fact that he's been a great advocate for the school and a great just, you know, media presence in terms of spreading the love and spreading the word, but like X's and O's, what makes Elliot such a great coach, in your opinion? Uh, well, I'd say first, he's a great person. You know, if, if Elliot Steinmetz called me or texted me and tell, told me, like, you need to fly to New York because I need help, I'd be on a plane tomorrow morning. I think he is, I think he is an uh, unbelievable human being. Uh, coaching wise, his offense is phenomenal. And, and there's been a lot of people that have come and kind of studied it and, and done YouTube things on it. I know that, you know, like our program, Illinois Wesley, and I've talked to our coach about it and, and we are a, we're a national power. We are, we're, I don't know who, who we compare to, but I don't know, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, if those are division one teams, we're, we're in that kind of sphere of division three. We're, we're a powerhouse. And our a, legit, coach, a legit blue blood when it comes to a, D3. A blue blood, a blue blood. And, and our coach will tell you that it's very hard to guard Yeshiva's offense. He, he'll, and, and you saw that. Why? Just all of the, the individual reads and cuts and decisions that they're making are, are hard to prepare for. That's the best way I could say it. it is, it's a very hard offense to, to defend. And you saw that on Saturday night at the Shirk Center that our guys were four or five inches bigger at every position. They're more athletic in general. 
And uh, you got good look after good look after good look. Um, I also think he is a good, what's the right way to say it? He's good with people. You know, his yeah. guys love playing for him. His guys would run through a brick wall for him. And his guys play hard for him. So you put all that together and, and you've got a really good system. And he's been building it and he's going to keep building it. Well, you mentioned about the reads, right? Even though it may be installed intrinsically in the offense, it doesn't look like it's robotic. It doesn't look right. like it's, you know, it's not you know, yeah. set. It's it's not like a set offense. These, you know, they're empowered to make decisions with the ball, off Correct. the ball, and figure it out themselves. And I think he's tapped into something really incredible in a sense where, you know, these talented Jewish kids who may have had opportunities to go somewhere else are going to go play for him because the profile has been raised to a point. Yeah, if you look at who he's able to get, I mean, look, there's no – Ryan Terrell should not have been playing Division three basketball, and Zevi Samet shouldn't be playing Division three basketball. Those guys come in large part – due to, well, first of all, the, the faith in, in the fit of the right. school, right? Orthodox Jewish. But they're also coming because Elliot. And um, he's going to be able, he's going to keep getting kids that are higher level because of the, that combination. And uh, you're right. The offense, our uh, best defender last year, Pete Lambesis, who did a great job on Terrell, probably as good a job as anyone has ever done on Terrell that I've witnessed. And Pete said after the game, he said, it's just a hard offense to guard because usually you prepare for a team and you watch an offense. You watch a ball screen and where the guy goes. And you can you can start to figure out if you prepare hard enough what the team's going to do. With Yeshiva, those reads are kind of on the fly. They're, they're, they're based up to what the player sees in the moment. And because of that, it is very hard to prepare for that. And I think that is X's and O's wise, why their offense is just so effective. So I want to ask you about Ryan Terrell for a second, because you've been, you've been there from the beginning, right? You've been there since like the first year, basically he was on campus. Uh, Have you seen somewhat like a phenomenon that he was in school in a sense where, you know, he's got, Six seven size. He's got you know he he's got range that obviously warranted D one talent. Um, obviously he's a modern Orthodox Jewish kid, and that's rare in you know our social circles, right? And he became this like phenomenon where you know he leads the league, you know I should say leads the country in scoring, and ends up you know, doing something super historic in, in getting drafted by the G League, right? Like, have you seen anything like this? And ultimately, where do you see his career going from here? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I, first, I, I kind of got in when he was a sophomore. I think Ryan Scott was in on the things as a freshman, and Ryan got me in when Ryan was a, a sophomore. Um, here's the first thing I'll say, and, and people don't like when I say this, but there's there's been guys as good as Ryan Terrell in NCAA Division Three. We had right. Brian, I'm sure there have been. Yeah, we had Brian Crabtree and Aston Francis at Wheaton, and we could just go down. We could we could name 20 guys in in the 30 years that I've been following Division Three that are as good as Ryan Terrell. Now, your question: Have I ever seen a phenomenon in terms of the exposure and what he meant to a school? Uh, no, 
No. I mean, we're talking about New York Times articles and ESPN and all I've never seen, you know, such a love for a player and a player that meant so much. And and for that matter, a player that carried that on his shoulders and did it so humbly and so well. That unbelievable young man. G League, he he's making the transition as we speak to a level of basketball that is doesn't even remotely look like the skyline, right? The skyline is, well, one, yeah, of, of course. Skyline is one of the worst conferences in division three. Sorry, Yeshiva fans. It's near way near the bottom year in and year out. That's who he was playing against. Now he's in the G league and his teammates are, are major division. I mean, one of his teammates is buddy Bayham, right? Bayheim. Yeah. From Syracuse. He's playing with like all American D one guys. And he has to he has to adjust to the fact that it's bigger, stronger, more athletic. I think he's in the rotation now. I think you'll see for his team that he's now in the rotation moving forward. I, I believe that's the case, and I think he's good enough. I th- now G League to NBA. We need to have a conversation about that. That's a whole nother jump. Oh but yeah, I think he can make himself into and in, in like before this season's over. I think he can make himself into a good G League player. And that right there is just a major accomplishment. I mean, I yeah. I always envisioned him pl- playing. I was on record saying I think he was going to get a summer league invite. Um, obviously, he had the foot injury, and that didn't end up happening just because of timing-wise. I thought he was going to end up playing in the G League, and that came true. I mean, NBA, that's a whole different different ball game. I ultimately think he's going to have a long career playing in Israel um, and he'll be super successful there. And that is not too shabby to say the least. Right. Yeah. I Um, think uh, I'm with you. I, I think from where he is currently, so he's, he's got a battle to where he's a competitive G league guy because the first several games he was hurt for several months and he's just coming back. So we don't know yet where he fits in here, but he started. He's got his first couple baskets now. I do think he'll be inserted into the rotation. The question becomes: There is such a monster jump from the best G League player to being able to be in the NBA. That is an enormous oh, yeah. jump. Can he make that jump and and realize the dream that so many want him to realize, or is he going to be a phenomenal player overseas in Israel or wherever? That is the big question that I don't think I'm sure of yet. I don't. Can he make it to the NBA? I I sure as heck hope so. But oh, I'm rooting for it like like crazy. Me too. It's, He's got to get better though. Like maybe better's not right. He has to get bigger and stronger. Body's got to fill out a little he's, bit. He's got right. He's got to get stronger, and and he's got to make he's got to make some leaps in terms of the speed of the game and things. Can he do it? Yes. It's going to be hard. And, and the, the real work is, is playing out as we speak for him to get there. Well, I mean, a major test was when he played in the uh, the Portsmouth. Um, that's how you pronounce it, right? The Portsmouth that, Invitational, yeah. yeah. He the Invitational, and, and he showed out, right? He showed out, and then, you know, he got hurt and was coming back from the injury. I, it's one of my favorite stories. Obviously, being a, uh, a Jewish kid, grew up modern Orthodox Jewish kid, who is like the weekend warrior type. Like I, I do on Instagram, I review like my league game, my men's league rec games. Right. Like if I have a good game. Like I'll pat myself on the back. Like I do all this stuff. Like <laughs> for, 
for me, like, this is, like, my dream, right? So, like, I, I, I'm, like, living vicariously through him and kind of to another extent, you know, Elliot Simonson's son, Jacob, who's, you know, in the in minor yeah. leagues. Like, this is, like, I would have given anything, anything. So, for guys with my background to be doing this, I just, it's the best thing in the world. And I, I will root for them till the cows come home. Um before we go on to the guy who may be better than him, even though he doesn't have the size, uh, are you still in touch with Gabe Leifer? Because that is one of the great bromances Absolutely. on Twitter that yeah, not we, everybody knows about. Yeah, the day of the Yeshiva uh, Illinois Wesleyan game, we were we were texting. Um, yes, and I at some point here, I got to find a way to to come out and and see him in New York or, or somewhere. I, he's a he, he's I consider him a friend of mine. I think he's a great human being. He was one of the he was my favorite player. You know, like Ryan Terrell is easy to it's easy to say Terrell's your favorite player for Yeshiva, right? Because he did guy. all the little things. But I liked I when I would watch Yeshiva, I would watch Gabe Leifer, and I'm looking at a guy in 12 points and 10 rebounds and eight assists, and I was like, that's the guy. Uh, he became kind of my favorite guy in in that group, and then I got to meet him last year. And he's a he's a better person in person than you know. So got to meet his father, which was really cool. So yes, I'm a, I I text him all the time and we chat and and I hope to see him soon. He's a Long Island boy, just like me. You know, we we make him good over there in the five and <laughs> six. Um, so now this year's team, obviously Gabe graduates, Ryan they move on. Um, Ofek Reef, another talented guy who's playing in Israel now, which is good for him. Uh, they move on. And now they have this phenomenon, Zevi Samet, who is listed, I think, at 6'1 officially. He's probably no more than than my height at 5'11. Yeah, he's but, six at the most. But this guy, and again, I haven't watched every game, but I've seen a lot of the highlights. This guy can shoot the lights out. So tell everybody what you see in this kid. He's unbelievable. You know, he's he's a six foot or so, what I would call a combo guard. You can play him at the point. He's more of a two. Um, but but where he's best is with the ball in his hands. And so, uh, you know, I think ultimately he's a guy, you, you want to have a point guard that plays with him, but then you get the ball to him. And what he does so well is he, he keeps his dribble. So he keeps his dribble and he's a great ball handler, and you've got to be up on him, but you also have to respect the fact that he's got his dribble. You've got to worry about him going by you left or right, and he can go left or right. And because you have to kind of respect that as a defender, there's always a little bit of space. And he doesn't need any space to rise up and shoot, and he is a, an elite th- three-point shooter, mid-range shooter, an elite jump shooter, period. He is five, shooting 53% from three through four games and these shots he's taking aren't open there's people he's all your catch and shoot variety no these are these are guys so like he's a totally different player than ryan terrell which is why i think we can just say we don't need to compare him because there's a six seven you know three player and, and and a six foot two player and they're just different players period but I'm telling you what, this guy can do special things, and he could be a first-team All-American right now as a first-year Yeshiva player. Do you think he would be able to, taking aside his religious affiliation, 
do you think he'd be a D1 player if he, you know, all things were equal? He could play Division One at half of the Division One schools. You know, like there, if you draw a line and, and say, okay, he's probably not a guy that's like athletic enough to defend at the Division One level at like high major, but 50% of the Division One schools he could be wow. a very good player at. I mean, when you can shoot it, when you're that elite of a shooter, and it's not like he's not athletic. He moves real well. Um, absolutely. He, he, he could be playing D1 easily. He gives me Jimmer Fredette vibes. Sure. Yeah, it's not Jimmer was doing his thing in BYU, and it was like the, the best, you know, college story. Like, that's what he, he is. You know, pulling up from from anywhere, like just you know, give me a, you know a little Jewish Jimmer. I love it, absolutely he's love. Little, it. He's a little smoother than Jimmer. Like he, there's something about how, again, it's the fact he keeps his dribble and he's so patient, and then boom, he's either going by it or he's pulling up, and and uh, I just think he's a special talent and he's he's fun to watch. So where does Yeshiva right now? You know. How do they stack up in terms of the national D3 programs? Obviously, they should probably take care of the Skyline Conference, even though I think this year's team is very limited in terms of – they don't have the talent level that they had the last year, even with Zevi doing his thing. Uh, I think they're a couple of ball handlers short. Um, the the bigs are a little robotic, but, I mean, he scored 40 points last night, right? So it's yeah, I think, he had 28 uh, in the first half. Like, you'd like to see some other people do so, you know, contribute a little bit. But, like, if he's going off and if that's going to be a continuous thing, it's hard to, you know, not feed him the rock. But where do you where do you see them stack up this year in terms of the, the national uh, stage? So there's a player that they've been missing since the opening game got hurt four minutes in, and that's Max uh, Zackheim, a Division One transfer from Bryant. He was a partial scholarship mm-hmm. D1 guy. He's their point guard. So the ball handler that you're saying they're missing is sitting right there on the bench and is about a week away from playing. Um, if, if, if they get him back in the lineup, they have a legitimate chance to contend in the skyline for the championship. It, it's, it won't be easy either way, even though the skyline isn't the best league in the country. Right. Coming into the year, I thought maybe Yeshiva could finish third in the skyline. Now I believe if they get Max back, I think they can legitimately have a good chance of winning it, win the conference tournament, get in the NCAA. They're not a top 25 team. I don't think they're a team that's going to get votes in the top 25 um, at, at this point. But look, Illinois Wesleyan is ranked 21. And if Zev, if Zevi makes a 17-foot jump shot, like the easiest shot of the night, that the, the right. one he missed, they, they probably win the game. So I don't think they're a top 25 team because I don't think they quite have enough. I don't think they're deep enough. I don't think they have enough size. But I believe they can win the skyline. I believe they can get in the tournament. And if you put that Zevi kid in the tournament, who wants to play them? Nobody. Nobody. Well, we'll end on this. And, and I'm so thankful for, you know, you giving me uh, some time over here. But when's the next time you're going to be uh, making the trip to Wash Heights? It, it's a good question. Someone asked me, I would love to find a time to come out to a, a game. It's just a matter of how it works with stuff at home and, you know, my real job and all this stuff. So I would love to come to a Yeshiva game 
at some point, whether it's sometime this year or next year, I'm, I'm definitely going to be back at some point. It's the best. Well, I hope if you make the trip that uh, that I know about it, so maybe I can meet you there Absolutely. because it would be an honor to, to meet you in person. Bob, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this and – how much I got, I just get at a kick of, you know, your persona, your, your relationship with my alma mater. And it's just, it's the best. You're one of my favorite Twitter follows on Twitter. It's just, I can't tell you how much of an honor this was. I really can't. I appreciate it, Aaron. It's been fun. And uh, it's been a special relationship that we've developed uh, with Yeshiva. So uh, it's been a blast and it's going to continue. And hopefully you won't be a stranger because if they make a run at the uh, if they make a run at the tournament like they have in the last couple of years, we're gonna have to preview it again. Like we're oh, gonna have to run I, this back. I, I'm here anytime you want to talk about yeshiva basketball, D3 basketball. You just let me know. We'll do it. You're the best, Bob. You're the best. By the way, one last last thing. So where can everybody? You know, I watch the games on on YouTube. Um, where can they watch uh, Illinois Wesleyan? Where's the best place to watch D3? hoops to really, you know, see what's going on. The, the great thing, d3hoops.com, top of the page, it, 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 I, th- I believe it, there's a scoreboard up there. It's a scores. And every day there's a list of that day's games with mm-hmm. the broadcast links, with, with the, you know, the live stream link. d3hoops.com should be the home base for every Division three fan. And every day just go pick your games and, Heck, like I do, I'll have two or three streams up at once and, you know, watch Randolph making for five minutes and move over here to Emory and move over here to WashU. So um, D3Hoops.com, that's your place. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Bob, you're the best. Thank you so, so much for doing this, and I hope to do it again soon, and hopefully we'll we'll catch a max game in person together soon. Thanks, Aaron. Let's do it, man. Thanks again to my guest this week. Bob Quillman, one of the nicest guys I've ever spoken to, talking Yeshiva University basketball, how he became connected to the program. What a mensch that guy is. Just awesome. He's a great Twitter follow. I suggest everybody do that. That's episode 185. For the love of the game, take us out. Jesus. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.